Hello and welcome to the Hypotheticals podcast. I'm Adriano. And I'm Andy. And this week's episode is brought to you by Post. So expect it in the mail shortly. I was just wondering, um, as you do, what what things will people look at in the future? Let's say some far distant future where uh, they've basically forgotten about our civilization. Archaeologists dig it up and they find these things. What are they going to be confused about? Dig up what things? Just well, things. Hmm, maybe this isn't a digging up sort of question because what I was thinking of, right, was maybe this is a few hundred years in the future after okay. some sort of plague um long enough for things to develop a bit of a patina yeah yeah and it's um you've got memorial plaques on trees at the moment you know you might walk around a park and you'll see a tree and it'll have someone's name on it and the dates yes. that they were born and the dates they died mm-hmm. um well i was thinking that they might actually think that we named that tree when we planted it oh i see yeah 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 like a, a sort of permanent name tag here is um you know john simpkins the tree mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then we sort of badly predicted the date that it would die. Because clearly in their world, the tree is still there. Unless we counted years differently or something, it could be hard to tell. Oh yeah, in uh, in yeah, maybe they thought it would live to no- 1984. But they might not even realise that those numbers are intended to be years. Maybe that's just part of the name, you know? Like with, uh, you know, um, email addresses and stuff, you can never get your normal name just on there because that's already been taken by 14 other dudes. So you've got to be your name 15, right? Uh-huh. Maybe there's just too many trees, too many names. Most of the plaques have come off. The ones remaining, they're called, you know, Sally Peterson 1972 or whatever. So in this scenario, in the future, they think... Someone has made it their mission in the past to name every tree in the entire world. Like what? this, oh, this one is Edith Jones 1942-1986. It could be a religious thing. Uh, there could be any number of cultural reasons. But beyond that, maybe the trees are naming themselves. They don't, you know, necessarily, we don't know how rare trees are going to be in the future. They might think those plaques are naturally occurring. Oh, so you think that in the future, they might think that trees were the, the dominant species in the society. Well... I don't know uh, that they'd need to be dominant, but just more complex than, you know, like with dinosaur bones. um, I understand it's somewhat difficult to piece together what a dinosaur looks like, just based on the fact that they've had to update us several times over the decades. I don't want to give them too much stick because I realize they're working on limited data here. I've been playing a fair amount of Jurassic World on the Xbox. (laughs) And uh, what I have learned, uh, old game, I realized, but they were giving it away for free. So I picked it up. It's actually quite fun. Um, and you have to you have to find a lot of fossils before you get yourself a complete genome. Um, mm-hmm. So that to, in the real world maps, I think, to the fact that like you find a cluster of bones and you're like, okay, well these bones were in the same bone hole. Uh, they're probably from the same <laughs> bone creature, right? Put them together, we got a skeleton. Turns out you're using some other dude's leg as the neck or whatever, you know. Turns out Diplodocus didn't have an upright posture at all. That neck was way down. Turns out everything has feathers. They don't know what they're talking about because uh, the bones got confused. And they so, were actually part tree as well. We wouldn't know because maybe the trees didn't fossilize, right? Maybe we've been tremendously misinterpreting petrified forests this whole time. Um, yeah, or those, you know, those big tree trunks that they find, like this is clearly a, a petrified ancient tree. That mm-hmm. was a, like a dinosaur leg. Yeah. It's possible. Maybe there's been no such thing as trees. Like, maybe trees are very recent, actually. Maybe they will have changed tremendously by whatever time period we're talking about now. Yeah, I guess any sort of fossil is open to huge amounts of interpretation. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, at the moment, you've got plastic everywhere. And there's a lot of talk about plastic entering the fossil record. Um, because it's, you know, it's going yeah, into the ocean, yeah, yeah. it floats down to that bottom layer of sedment, and then just gets buried. Like and a so... really rubbish signature, like a literally rubbish signature. People from the yeah. future will be able to look back and be like, ah, oh, these geniuses thought it was a great idea to wrap every dang perishable thing in a layer of, like, <laughs> indestructible, yeah, like, yeah. infinitely non-biodegradable... Amazing, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, but if if you looked at those in the future, you might not know necessarily, if you didn't have plastic, you might not realise that that is just a plastic bottle for 
drinking your, I don't know, you know, your Coca-Cola from. It could be that they think it's some sort of sea creature's exoskeleton. Artifact. Oh, yeah, no, even better. Yeah, clearly very durable. Like, whatever creature inhabited this husk was built for for durability yeah and and there was clearly tons of them they must have filled the ocean because they were there are millions of these things they're all over prolific yeah Yeah, they clearly lived in they lived in deep ocean trenches because that's where we find a lot of them yeah yeah we think it's a bit like a a sea um a sea slug because it only has one uh one exit and one entrance (laughs) <laughs> like so those little worm guys, they would have been a tuft of sort of fronds poking out of this end, probably. Yeah, and who's to say that evolution isn't going that way anyway? You might have a, a creature that sort of hermit crab-like. Uh, one of those those worms just starts living in there. Yeah. I like that a lot, because I think, unfortunately, with our current setup, we get far too few situations where a hermit crab ends up living, like, inside a skull. Mm-hmm. I guess, arguably... You know, a shell is kind of like a, you know, yeah, a snail. it's the bones of a snail. Yeah, sort of. it lacks a certain je ne sais quoi, I suppose, as like a <laughs> gothic symbol. But yeah, I assume that's just because human bones that there, there aren't enough of them, not enough of them have been washed into the ocean. They're not durable well, I mean, enough. They're pretty big as well. Hermit crabs are quite small. You'd need to get a big hermit crab. Oh yeah, but, you know, think how 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 huge and like defined uh, a hermit crab could grow in such a sumptuous residence <laughs> sumptuous or maybe they'd uh, maybe you know they'd, they'd get on with sort of communal living there's many orifices in a human skull are they all and they're all fighting for direction like <laughs> where they want to go <laughs> well probably like uh you know big johnny or whatever who lives on the ground floor because obviously that that, <laughs> that bottom hole is the largest so and these are his tenants <laughs> Or his kids or whatever, like, I don't know, yeah. just poking out the eyes and nose, like, hey, Johnny, take us over there. I think I saw a whale carcass. Best they don't up here. Forget about it. Anyway. Why are they Italian? <laughs> I don't know. It's racism against my own people. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I was kind of thinking along these lines, and um, what if our interpretation of fossils like trilobites, trilobites, actually, they weren't living creatures at all. They were actually an ancient type of food packaging, um, and we've had it wrong this whole time. Oh, yeah. They're all over the ocean. There were, like, dinosaurs, like, very advanced that we don't know about. They were just, like, ripping into their... I don't know, maybe it was sort of a tear packet. Um, mm-hmm. and you just get pop your, that clasp. Get that yeah, fresh... you get your meat, your meat processed goop out of it, and then mm-hmm. you just chuck it in the sea. I mean, in many ways, that is the way a mollusk works, I guess. You could argue that they're sort of just pre-packaged meaty goop. Mm, that is right? true. they got your salt in there, your electrolytes. Um... <laughs> so gross I'm sorry vegetarian <laughs> like that's so gross but um <laughs> <laughs> but what if it was there by design it's possible see I remember I remember reading um and I forget what like popular science book that uh they were talking about evolution and sort of like how we know what we know and why there's so many gaps in the fossil record and stuff and one thing they mentioned was that as far as we know we're the first species to achieve any kind of sentience um Mm-hmm. But, you know, say there was a civilization of, like, amphibious frog people or whatever um, that lived in the, you know, in the swamps and just made everything out of materials that don't fossilize, you'd have no idea. You know, they get wiped out by some plague. Here we are, the plagues again. Topical. And uh, <laughs> there's just nothing left to, to know that there was a civilization there. And it kind of seems unlikely because, like, all right, they never dragged together any standing stones or whatever. But maybe we're just really bad at interpreting stuff that previous civilizations left behind as these yeah, putative it's, it's, it's uh, possible. descendants are. Because we don't have, have much in the, you know, in the record of even Neanderthals or b- before them settlements, do we? So Frog people, could... I'm telling you. Yeah. So back to trees. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and, and um, those benches with the plaques as well. Maybe they think people have been turned oh. into benches or into trees. Oh, like you know, instead of being cremated, you just um, get your ashes turned into a bench. Oh yeah, I was thinking of a more, um, <laughs> like a hideous Frankensteinian process. But uh, yeah, I guess so, <laughs> what? Not? Where people who have, who have wronged the state are turned into benches? It's an evolution of the stocks principle, right? They used to imprison you in a plank of wood. Eventually, they imprison you in a plank of wood, right? Hang on, hang on. I'm sorry, what? Being imprisoned in a plank of wood? Yeah, you know, like village stocks. Oh, Two I see, I see. With the hinge and the holes, you know? But like, later on, they get better at it. What other names are there on things? Because I feel this is a thing which people could get very confused about. 
What about companies? And there's various figures who are associated with companies like Colonel Sanders for KFC or whatever. And I'm just thinking, will they be associated as historical figures? Oh, presumably, yeah, Big Brother style. They are real and infallible. Their mm-hmm. word is law. Yeah. Snap, crackle and pop. Founders of the uh, Rice Krispies empire. I have to say, they are very innocuous. I gather the Americans have quite frightening um, cereal mascots. Because oh, I mean, really? we've got... Well, we've got the Nesquik bunny. He likes chocolate or whatever. The Cocoa <laughs> Monkey. He just wants the goodness of those wholesome Cocoa Pops. They make the milk go chocolatey. And I think there's like a crocodile who wants to get the Cocoa Pops off him, which I think is as close as we Brits get to the fact that isn't the Trix rabbit always trying to steal the cereal from the children it rightfully belongs to? Oh, I don't know. Although the Cookie Crisp wolf, he's always trying to... Is he trying to eat the Cookie Crisp or the children? I can never tell. Oh, yeah. A woo. He's, uh... That's true. That is true. And is that, that his name? A woo? No, sorry. That was just uh, me getting into the spirit of things. Uh... <laughs> There's a toucan for Fruit Loops. I don't know what his deal is. But yeah, I don't know. There is something a little bit monstrous about them. I mean, the Sugar Puffs literally had a monster. Or they, they've disappeared in recent years. Do you think cereal companies have a deal with the animal kingdom that only animals can represent cereals? Well, I did just mention the, the Sugar Puff monster. And I, <laughs> unless he's like a Bigfoot variant, I don't think he belongs oh, he, in the animal he, he kingdom. Is a, he is a Bigfoot variant. Yeah. But, but there's, there's no human mascots. You know, there's not... Oh, I see what you mean. Mr. The Thompson, tiger. the cereal man. I mean, that would be a terrible one. But... For a little while, Shreddies were trying to convince us they were knitted by nanas. So they may have been like a Mabel or a Maureen or someone. That's true. That's true. And that was a very disconcerting advert. So maybe that's why no one's tried it since. <laughs> maybe. Because why would you want to eat knitted cereal? Yeah, it's a, it's a little grotesque. But I mean... Is it, I don't know, is it worse than the alternative? The conditions in those care homes must have been terrible because think how long it takes to knit anything, to (laughs) knit all of those shreddies. How many shreddies do we consume in a year? It's probably billions of shreddies. Yeah, it's a bit of a sweatshop scenario, isn't it, actually? And I don't like the word sweat associated with my cereal, so it's problems (laughs) from hell to breakfast. (laughs) Literally. I don't like it. But look, things that are going to confuse future historians, Andy. Um, I think commuting is a really weird habit that... Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I, we've been working from home recently, so this is, you know, maybe I've just been sort of batting around the thought, why do I ever commute to work? But just, it's uh, it's obviously tremendously wasteful uh, mm. environmentally, um, just incredibly expensive in terms of time and energy and also will to live. Um, <laughs> maybe it depends where you are, but I used to get the tube in London and nobody likes that. Like, it's just... If you had some kind of heat map of happiness, everything below ground level would just be just like way into the red, you know? Hey, I know some very jolly geothermal engineers, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe the miners are having a good time too, but in the vicinity of London, uh, you get one or two really excitable announcers, and I love them. They used to make my day. You know, the guys cracking jokes while they tell Mm -hmm. you to back away from the yellow line and all the rest of it. They're great. Everyone else, absolutely hating it. So commuting is like, here, why don't you get into a stinky metal can um, and do something you just hate for two hours a day so that you can get to the thing that you also don't want to do? It seems strange as well. I feel like we've the internet has now hit a stage where you can pretty much do most office jobs, like where you don't need a physical presence from your house. Right. The internet, the internet is fast enough that you can mostly do that unless you're like a software developer or like you need to have really intense software so the fact that you go from your house where you can access the internet which is everywhere and you can do anything you go to a designated building mm-hmm. where you can also access the internet and do anything and everything and at that building you access the internet which you could have done at home and do exactly the same thing and then you go home we can agree it's less than ideal i have a co-worker <laughs> who unfortunately outranks everyone in my office so we can't stop him doing it but he comes over to our desks when he could just reply in a one sentence email but he comes over so that he can talk us through the 15 minute thought process of writing the one sentence email mm-hmm. it is a drain and again i'm talking about will to live but obviously also there's time which is therefore money it's a mess And I think, I don't know, the people of the future will look back with their even faster internet and their, you know, 4D visualization pods or whatever, and just think, what were those people doing? It's not like they had to, like, we went from an era where you live on your farm, you are in your workplace, you wake up there, 
you know, or like you're you live above the smithy, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, it's like you've got the factory and it's like down the street. I get it. You've got to go there. But then later than that, we were like, I don't know what we'll do. We'll make all our work information based. It'll just be about pushing around letters and numbers. And then we'll all gather in one important place to do it separately on different screens. And we will spend so much money and time traveling to and from this location. And none of us will enjoy it. Sounds like a great deal. Let's all do it in all of the world's capitals. Yeah. And let's waste half of our time in meetings because everyone knows meetings are intensely productive. And I think one of the things which I've learned since starting working from home is that every meeting could be half the length and it would have zero impact. Yeah. People get too cushy in the office is the problem. Also, commuting in a car when you're one person is such a normality of our age, and everyone complains there's no parking. But what is happening? I mean, I don't want to be an eco-warrior about it. There is that whole aspect. The environment, like, it's terrible. But also, just if you just look at a traffic jam and think how many actual people are occupying that much space, like, the human density in that space is insanely low, and yet Mm -hmm. nobody can get anywhere. That's an interesting thought. If, let's say, you have, like, a, a massive volcanic eruption, you know, next week, whatever, it's mm-hmm. a bit like um, Pompeii, and that the ash just covers everything, everyone's kind of frozen in place as they were at the time. What would people find confusing about that? Because I imagine, like, a traffic jam, if people didn't have cars in the future, what would they think we were doing? Everyone's just sat in this weird box, just <laughs> all facing the same way. Some people be, like, you know, just leaning on the on the... Um, on their door, some people be, you know, picking their fingernails or whatever, just like, just doing nothing. Everyone just facing the same way. It would be some sort of weird ritual that they think we were doing. Yeah, because you couldn't even argue, okay, like this must have been a factory of some kind. These are clearly machines. They're in pods. No, yeah, there's no way. Yeah, and why were they here? You look, you you look up and down. The, presumably, you have the whole motorway. You look up and down the motorway. It's like, oh, there there seems to have been some sort of explosion in a car on the other side of. The, well, this pod on the other side of the road. Um, but that has nothing to do with what these people are doing. So uh, maybe they're offering their condolences to the family or something. Are they reenacting some kind of war, but in like a really strange... Maybe maybe they think it was a form of warfare. Everyone's in their mech. Yeah, in their tanks. Yeah. I don't know. That's messed up. Yeah. Anyway, back to trees. Tell <laughs> about the trees, I ne- Andy. I never Get got off your chest. My last, my last point on trees is that um, a tree where I grew up is uh, currently, well, has been for the last decades, and uh, is currently growing around the iron railing fence around it. So it's, nice. it's basically being absorbed into its trunk. Stick so, claim. Yeah, when it comes to be chopped down in maybe a century, um, th- that will presumably be entirely hidden from view, and they'll be in for a naughty surprise. So would they think that trees naturally grow an iron sort of defence from chainsaws? oh god what's happening no they spoke of this in legend but i always think like this is an accident waiting to happen and nobody seems to care i guess because it's happening at such a slow pace so yeah some allegories there with uh climate change (laughs) many things really yeah yeah but that's a big one i like that imagine how excited they'll be if uh i mean say we we loop um and we end up in a pre-iron age what was it the stone age there we go Mm -hmm. um so everyone's very excited about rocks and there's all these trees everywhere and you cut down a tree with your special rocks and what is this it's got this really hard stuff inside it that's crazy so you just keep going around cutting down trees hoping hoping (laughs) right but this is like the chicken that laid the golden egg but there was only one alternatively what if we end up in a very advanced society that is extremely ecologically conscious? I'm thinking like wood elves, like a city is, is abhorrent. You'd never tarmac anything. You live in harmony with nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, like those guys on Avatar, whatever, the blue dudes. Um, and a tree falls in the forest, presumably struck by lightning or whatever. And what's this? It contains the hated metal. They'd think it was a traitor of some kind. They'd probably put the forest to the torch. <laughs> This has been working for the uh, the rebels this whole time. Yeah, like some kind of bioweapon from the past. It's it's come to like infiltrate and, and contaminate the natural world. We can't have that. Got to nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Anyway, mobile phone microtransactions, though. Yeah. <laughs> Natu- <laughs> natural segue. Yeah, that's so smooth. Um, I hate them. And <laughs> I... I feel like on a on a sort of a socioeconomic level, there's all kinds of trends we can probably look back at and think wow, what was going on when we thought 
that was a good idea. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I fervently hope that microtransactions are going to be one of those. Maybe not all. Like, I understand paying a bit for an app or using a free app and then paying a bit for the premium features you want. I, I, I even get, you know, things wanting to be a, a subscription. Like, I'm subscribed to Adobe Creative Cloud, and that means I always have the most updated version of Photoshop, and they make a truckload of cash. Everybody's happy. But... This whole spate of uh, games that are essentially pay to win or everything trying to con you into thinking that it's free and then sneaking in all these like, ah, yeah, but now you got to pay for the extras. I just wish people would charge for stuff up front again. Like, hey, I made a thing and I deserve money in exchange for my efforts and then you can have the product, you know, exchange complete. We all walk away with something we wanted. No, now it's this insidious, sleazy kind of car salesman guy trying to upsell you on every damn thing and he lives in your pocket. I don't like it. <laughs> what would that look like if it was in real life? Like, <laughs> you like you buy a banana from the store and you, you unpeel it and you get like the top bite and then it goes, sorry, you've got to pay another 50p if you want the rest of the banana. It starts playing an advert. <laughs> <laughs> About the peanut butter that they've got on special on the aisle. But like when you open the jar, it's just a dummy jar. (laughs) You actually need to pay extra. When you take the bite of the banana, it's playing from inside the bite. There's like a little microphone in there. Like in your mouth. Like through your teeth. Just that resonance in the bones. Yeah. Yeah. There's an absolute hellscape waiting to be explored. In fact, they did it on Black Mirror. Did you... uh, Was it 15 million marks or something? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where he's like squeezing the toothpaste out and you can just see his like total number of credits just ticking down. Like everything he does just reduces his currency total. Yeah. That's the world we're rapidly heading for. If you go to the gym and you're like, oh, I might use this machine. It's like, oh, that'll be an extra 5p. You'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, whatever. I'll do it. Ah, oh, it's twisted. But you know what? Actually, I respect the clarity and the simplicity and the purity of the Black Mirror episode because at least there was just one total. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that that I think they you know they try and do um, is you've got a Steam wallet, you've got a PayPal wallet, you've got all this, all these things between you and the total like your net worth. Who knows what that is? Who knows what it should be? Right? One day we'll all have AI accountants. Though, you know, that's another thing you can pay a subscription for. But, you know, eventually it'll probably be normality. Um, and they'll be like, you know, hey, you're spending too much on this. That's not a good idea, whatever. But in this benighted age we live in right now, you don't know how much money you have. Nobody has any idea. Oh, it's only 59p, whatever. May as well hit the button, get the gems or whatever, right? Because you don't know. You don't see that big number going down. Yeah, I've probably got about... Uh... 50 million in Nect points at the moment, I reckon. <laughs> like, who knows how many Nect points they have? I don't. And who knows what that means? Is it yeah, what is, that? Is, is it a thousand Nect points to one penny at this point? I don't I don't know. I have no clue. And, and to be fair, Nectar is probably one of the more transparent. What annoys me is all the... God, the worst... You, you, God, you can picture the gems, right? It's like pocket full of gems, bucket full of gems, big old chest full of gems, right? Yep. Whatever nonsense currency you want for the stupid game you're playing and, and why you could be doing better things with your life. But here you are contemplating spending actual money on this. And they will put best value on the most expensive one because of fee. But then frequently they will put most popular on like mm-hmm. a middling expensive one or like the second most expensive. And that is not, I refuse. I don't believe they polled anyone. I don't think any data (laughs) is going into that. I know they've got past purchase data. I think that sticker was there from day one. I don't think they were revising it. This is most popular with us for our bank. (laughs) Yeah, because we made up the most expensive one for Wales and everyone else, this is the one you want to go for. We're going to call it most popular with (laughs) our accountants. (sighs) Anyway, rank complete, but seriously, I think they're going to look back and be like, wow, what were people smoking? Yeah, unless it's just, yeah, the opposite Black Mirror scenario. Maybe, but at that stage it just becomes so pervasive. Like, I would just welcome all or nothing. It's this Mm -hmm. kind of nonsense in between that I hate. Yeah. One of the uh, questions I had about um, in the future is looking back at our historical record, because it's so complicated. Whereas if you look back at the ancient Greeks, it's like, oh, five white men all wrote down uh, what they thought was happening and probably with quite a lot of bias. But anyway, that's what we've got. That's our history and we've got some archaeology. Great. We know a bit about what happened. If you like look back at this period of history, what is going to be uh, seen as truth and what's fiction and especially what 
isn't helped by this is our TV in the and our films oh, in that we've got we've got reality TV which is again not exactly reality because it's people <laughs> pretending a bit there's semi reality where it's like scripted reality which I still can't quite get my head around like mm-hmm. Made in Chelsea and stuff like that there's fictitious TV including docudramas so all the trappings of reality so it's it's like a documentary but it's it's fictional so pe- are people going to watch the office in a thousand years time and think this was a genuine documentary they're going to treat it like samuel pepys's diary the great fire of london they're like yes this is how it went down and to be fair i guess there's not a lot wrong with it because as a satire satire is going to be so hard to distinguish but because it is so close to the truth it is actually fairly representative of the worst of office work for example Maybe that is something we should be taking into consideration. I mean, people care about their individual legacies, like they care about how they personally are remembered. Is anyone taking the the collectivist viewpoint and wondering, worrying about how our own society is going to be perceived by the future? Maybe we need to start making a load of propaganda right now. (laughs) For future people. Yeah, just bury that time capsule sort of in plain sight for them to find and, and marvel. Just fake documentaries about all the good stuff we're doing. How great we are, yeah. Oh god, we've been focusing way too much on the world wars. They're going to know all about that. Yeah, exactly. That is a heck of a skeleton in the closet. The news is all so negative. We need to just have all positive news. Right? That that might actually solve a lot of problems right now and <laughs> in the future. Wait, we can just fool everyone. Past, present, future, into thinking everything's great. Fooling people in the past is, is more difficult, but I think it can be done. <laughs> <laughs> we put our backs into it <laughs> i think the social media is what's gonna uh really confuse as well because i mean for starters just the the very act because even now i think i think people are a bit more no you know i don't even know i'm not going to speak for people in general there's just way too big a user base for these things i have no idea what the trends are but I know that in my teens, it seemed logical to put everything on MySpace or whatever. I just needed validation for whatever I was doing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just emit signals, like you curate them as well as you can to present like the best version of yourself, Uh, you know, be that with glitter graphics or whatever happens to be trendy. (laughs) Do you remember glitter graphics in MySpace? Because I sure as I do. I did not use MySpace. Uh, This was before your time then. I I had a year or two of MySpace before uh, Facebook came and took over. But anyway, yeah. I mean, do you remember Farmville and stuff on Facebook when everything was gaming? Oh, God, bites? yeah. yeah. I, I remember Farmville. Texas Poker. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's eras. Obviously, Instagram didn't even used to be a thing. The Twitters, the TikToks, etc. Um, point is, you used to put everything on there because, oh, hell, you needed those friends, those likes. You needed to be included. And now we're like, well, hang on a second. Do, do all of these strangers need to be know everything that's going on? People are a bit more worried about... I mean, it used to be that the cool kids were on the social medias. And no corporate bigwig even knew what a computer was. So you could say what you wanted and then, you know, show up to your job interview. Nobody's any the wiser. But now, you know, employers are vetting you on there. So putting everything out there, people are going to look back and be like, what? Because they're going to see all the scandals, all the... They're going to know all the people whose entire legacy is like a just a, a montage of all the stupid things they said on Twitter, played really fast with yakety sacks in the background. <laughs> That's going to be just an entire era of history is going to be more on saying stupid things on social media. Yeah, it's like when they find um, uh, from ancient civilizations, I think one of the earliest pieces of text we have is someone complaining about their (laughs) neighbour. Um, what what is it? You do you remember? He sold bad clay or something. Yeah, and he complained about it to someone, and it's like thousands and thousands of years old, but it could be written now. But the best part is, I'm pretty sure they found it was something like 200 clay tablets or wax tablets. I don't know. I I know so few details about this. I can't tell you which civilization it was. Do you remember? Like Assyrians, Uh, Mesopotamians? I have no clue. No, I I don't remember. Well, the salient point is, it was all in one place, from different people. The vendor himself had held on to all the complaint letters on, like, (laughs) their tablets. He just had a stock of them. And that's, like, our biggest sample of that language. The main thing we know about that civilization is that this guy sold bad clay. (laughs) Isn't that great? Yeah. So Donald Trump will be remembered. Unfortunately, for being bad clay. (laughs) Quite so. (laughs) Um... Yeah, one th- one specific docudrama I just want to mention is, um, have you seen What We Do in the Shadows? No, but that's the vampire one, right? It is, and I, I just wonder, will people in the future think, gosh, there were vampires? 
Look, they made this whole documentary about it. I Sle- didn't seems that legit. Was documentary style. That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. That means the aliens are all real. I mean, they are, obviously, but also, you know, their cover will be blown forever. <laughs> Everything that's on the History Channel. They will marvel at how close we came to capturing and enslaving Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, but the amount of source material they'll have for that is uh, quite ridiculous. Yeah, I think that's, that's the frightening thing about the future. Assuming we manage to keep the internet going, we will have records of everything. Mm. everything is stored somewhere. Assuming we can keep getting bigger and bigger data centers, it will just, you know, the capacity will will outstrip uh, what's being outputted and we'll just always have that. But what if there's some sort of cataclysm and they're not all destroyed, but it's sort of, you know, archaeologists have to break into the, the, not the Pyramid of Giza, but rather like the Google data center and sort of dig out slabs of memory which they carefully dust off and then run (laughs) through their special scanners and try and recover things and what if crucial stuff gets lost like what if we lose i don't know how the internet works but what if what if we lose for some reason like the times and dates get screwed up and they have to figure out the order that all these tweets came in yeah well they just they spend you know hours days weeks months dusting off carefully repairing this old server that they find from thousands of years ago which they've unearthed and they finally get it up and running and it's just all it's the meme database from twitter <laughs> it's just uh, it's just the rick roll video on youtube it's just <laughs> never going to give you up <laughs> yeah the memes the memes are going to mess with everything because there's all these memes that purport to be real because that's the joke because it's satire yeah, uh, just a new form of satire. Basically, there is no medium of communication that humans haven't polluted with satire. We sent that golden disc out on like the Voyager probe or whatever it was to, to inform the aliens about where we are and what we look like. The next one we send is is going to be all lies. It's just going to be jokes. We can't resist it. Yeah, the, the song is going to be never going to give you up. <laughs> Definitely. Regardless of what they plan it to be, that's what it's actually going to be. That's what will happen. Yeah, when they run it through whatever like decoder on their end, that's what yeah. we'll play. And the aliens will go, God damn it, not again. <laughs> Every civilization does this to ask her. We're not making contact, not with these bozos. We're going to find someone serious. They call up Rick Hasley. They're like, look, <laughs> we know you've been on Earth too long. Get off. <laughs> the idea that he's like uh, some, not a globe trotting, I guess a galaxy trotting, um, just a playboy prankster. Yeah. <laughs> finding pre-contact get... civilizations and infecting them with his viral videos. <laughs> I love it. It took him a while as well. Like he had to do make a resurgence here. It wasn't an instant hit like Gangnam Style. Maybe it was, but it had to come back again. Yeah, it was the long con. He came That's his plan. He That's knows. what's so enjoyable about it. He knows it's coming, and he just sits back and rubs his hands together and does. Uh, yeah, eventually just ends up doing reunion tours. <laughs> Andy, question for you. What can we do to save cinema? Now, I do want to add a little caveat. Uh, at the cost of being topical, I appreciate right now might not be the best time to gather people uh, yeah. in enclosed spaces with recycled air, and get them mm-hmm. all to infect each other. Um, but <laughs> pre-COVID-19, uh, I gather the cinema industry was already having a tough time of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've all got TVs and they keep getting bigger and uh, Netflix keeps getting better, so why cinemas? Uh, but, you know, not good enough. Cinema is an institution and we cannot allow it to die out. What can we do? Well, I think we need to have a cinema on a roller coaster. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh- <laughs> That's the perfect solution to everything. It makes everything more exciting. Funerals on roller coasters. You heard it here first. Yeah. Well, um, okay, so for this one, I put down first a genuine risk of death but that actually seems a little close to the bone uh, at the moment. So, yes. Uh, but I kind of meant more like um, if you had things happening in the film, which you had to dodge in the auditorium. So actual gunshots in a firefight. You know, <laughs> okay. there's guns around the auditorium being fired. You've got to duck when that, that's going on. Uh, if it's in a plane crash film, oxygen Sorry, masks. so sorry. Are you talking about just loud noises or you're, like, you're talking about no, actual, actual guns? guns. Or like, okay, not Nerf guns? No, no. Genuine risk of death. You can tell we live in a country that doesn't have a lot of cinema shootings and school oh, shootings God. because we have a certain <laughs> levity associated with this. Oh. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> I had not considered that. Anyway, moving on to the next one. Uh, oxygen, oxygen masks dropping down in a plane crash film as the air is sucked out of the room. Oh, yeah, you could reduce the oxygen level so that people start feeling queasy and lightheaded. Because yeah, yeah. normally they just distort the, you know, have a fisheye lens or whatever. That's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, actual fires being set for, like, you know, towering inferno. Um, all sorts of stuff, which would just make it, you know, the, the thrill seekers would come. Maybe no mm-hmm. one else. Well, you're talking about an evolution of, because uh, what are they, do they call them, 4D cinemas? Um, yeah, where they just kind of vibrate at you. Well, or I think of the better ones, I've never been in one, but I gather Disneyland and places, they put you in like a kind of a, a roller coaster chair, so you were pretty much there, and then the <laughs> chair can like tilt and tip, and uh, they can spray water at you sometimes. Okay. So, you know, yeah, not enough fire, you might argue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would always argue that. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know what else you could do with that sort of um, genuine risk of death. I, I think you're really onto something. I think basically there isn't enough immediacy. Um, one of the reasons why theatre still persists, even though people thought cinema would, would kill it, is that you like the 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 fact that it's real. The people mm-hmm. are right there. You, it's not pre-recorded with a predetermined end. There is a genuine risk that someone will fluff a line or get injured or drop dead on stage or whatever. And you don't know. Right, it's there and it's and it's happening. When when someone lights that fire at the edge of the curtain, you know, okay, they do this, you know, four showings a day, week in, week out. But maybe this is the time that it all goes uh, wrong. Oh, and uh, may- yeah, maybe yeah, Russian roulette screenings, where most of the time you just get told in once in this run, there's going to be one with real bullets or real <laughs> threat, and uh, yeah. you know. Enter at your own risk. It's probably not going to be this one, but you never know. Sign this waiver and yeah, off we pop. I, I like that. And I also think um, even if then none of the bullets were ever real, you'd still, you'd have that spike of adrenaline, which you could perhaps induce by, um, well, just giving people a shot of adrenaline as they go in. <laughs> That's a decent start. Yeah. I went to a, a musical recently. Um, well, not that recently, I guess, but before the theatres closed down, uh, we saw Amelie, the musical. It was pretty good. I'd recommend if you ever get the chance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, I'm thinking of something entirely different. This was a less good one. <laughs> Forget about Amelie the Musical. That was great. We'll talk about that some other time. This was a less good one called Romantics Anonymous. At least I didn't like it so much, but there we are. But uh, it was set in France. Uh, and what they decided to do was um, start in French and then transition to English. For okay. the benefit of us uh, palms or whatever. Um, Le Rose Beef. So what they did was because it's um, a play about chocolatiers they had guys in extremely french outfits we're talking about t-shirts berets like the frenchest redneck chiefs you know the whole they didn't have onions around their neck but we were you know so close Uh, and they had baskets of chocolates and as people came in they were each given a chocolate so you get a bit of audience interaction it starts hyping you up like oh this is the thing about chocolate and being talked to in French what is even going on I've entirely stepped out of my reality I'm transported so you're already Mm -hmm. there and then uh, they begin in French um, very simple uh, sort of year 7 French um, that's grade 19 or something for the Americans I don't even know but whatever early French uh, and then they sort of pantomime that they want you to eat the chocolate because vous, pou- vous ne nous pouvez pas comprendre. So manger <laughs> le chocolat. And then we all eat the chocolate. And then it was a magic chocolate and we all understand French now. And so the rest of the play can take place in English. Oh, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> it was... Andy, it was absolutely spectacular. Okay, I was transported. And all I'm saying is, feeding your audience things that they weren't expecting to eat mm-hmm. um, is great. And I mean, just think of the possibilities. You can put marijuana in brownies, sure, but it's not the only thing you can put in there. And I mean, fear and loathing in Las Vegas while you're actually on acid has got to be a whole different experience. Well, what kind of food films are there? Ratatouille, that would be great as a dining experience. Oh my goodness. I gather as you walk into The Waitress, another West End t- contemporary classic, they have uh, the smell of uh, apple pies baking or something to greet ah, you. Ah, that's good. So yeah, an olfactory experience. They can just, you know, whatever food is taking place on screen, I want to experience that. They managed to make it glisten. It looks so delicious. I want to smell it. I want to taste it. Mm. I want just, rats yeah, any, in the auditorium. Just any film where anyone is eating, you immediately get served what they're eating. Particularly the animated ones. it, it could be a complete... Ones. A complete oh. mishmash of stuff. Like, uh, oh, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, that'd be great. 
Oh my word, yes. I mean, if they are able to convert the... the uh, I nearly said the museum. Because <laughs> cinemas are museums, am I right? Um, <laughs> it's so old-fashioned. Yes, convert the auditorium into that delicious tasting room. Absolutely. Or, you know, I mean, it doesn't get, have to be even that, that difficult. Because I think, uh, you know, okay, drugs, maybe that's too intense. You're going to get people with medical conditions and stuff. But you could also ask people to there are different ways you can participate right mm -hmm. i gather there's a tradition with the rocky horror show do you know about this uh where people sort of sing along is that right yeah or I, yell out stuff yes there's like specific things you have to respond to with other specific things i think there are objects you're supposed to bring along and then at specific points you like hold them up and wave them around you join in with the dancers obviously I think there's a whole sort of, I mean, it's a cult film in more ways than one. I think this is a literal cult that is accreted around. <laughs> so I want more of that sort of thing. So the problem is you'd normally have to know the film already back to front to know which bits to shout out or whatever. But for first time viewing, you could prepare people in advance. What is the trailer section for, if not to hype people up for the film? I think we're tremendously misusing it. You're getting people hyped up about a bunch of different films they're not even watching. They're dissatisfied already. You haven't even begun your feature presentation. They, you know, they've already got a list of 12 products they need to go out and buy and six other films they need to watch. What are they doing here wasting two hours with you? You've only got two hours to plumb the depths of these people's emotions. The foreplay needs to start a lot earlier. I want the whole trailer section devoted to getting you excited about the film you're gonna see and i mean maybe they just bombard you with 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 noise and light so that you're disoriented for that first scene maybe maybe they ask you before you come to the cinema to please not eat for eight hours so that you're good and hungry for those delicious food scenes <laughs> or you know don't sleep for 36 hours because this is a film about you know sleep deprivation is just going to make it that much more uh, involving yeah it's like uh, clockwork orange or something exactly yeah, you really feel like you're being forced to watch this. Well, one idea I had was inverted cinema. Uh, so this is where you you watch a screen where a cinema audience is looking back at you while the film is unfolding around you. So you're an extra in a scene, you're, but you're not allowed to look at the scene around you. You're just allowed to read your newspaper and occasionally look up at the screen, which is on the set where you're watching the audience's reaction to the film, which you're in, which you're not allowed to look at. So if you look at the film around you, the film stops, and the audience boos you until you let it continue because they want to watch the film. <laughs> so you're just watching, and occasionally you're asked to move from scene to scene. So you're, you're just watching other people's reaction to a film which you're not allowed to see. That is so meta. That is high concept art. <laughs> I really like that. I like that a lot. That's very good. People would pay so much for that as well. It would be like, um, oh, there's some shows where you can you can pay extra to be on the stage, right? Like sat at one of the tables in the in the cabaret or whatever on stage. Yeah, it would be like that. Except you don't you don't get to watch the performances happening at all. You're that immersed in the character. And I guess you could watch it. You know, you could be part of the other audience as well because it's a live screen. So maybe you could watch it as part of the other audience, but as an extra special thing, you could be that person, um, and just be intensely uncomfortable and feel like everyone's watching you for two hours i love it and i actually i was talking about microtransactions and like uh, you know value adds and upsells is like a bad thing but actually i think rich people need to be taken for a ride you know now more than ever and uh, now more than ever income disparity and all the rest of it and hoarding wealth this is a gr hollywood is not making use of I mean, okay, they will get, you know, Audi or whoever to, to put their cars in a film and they'll get a load of money that way, product placement, whatever. People placement. Film sets, everyone wants to be on a film set. It's incredible, it's glamorous, whatever. But there's a lot of room for random people doing unglamorous tasks. Like, uh, I, what is it scrolls past in the credits? You've got a load of grips? You've got best boy <laughs> or whatever? There's a lot of I'm weird not sure roles. The grips and, uh, I think the unions would have something to say about that if you suddenly start filling the best boy <laughs> positions with billionaires. I don't know what any of these things are. I hope I'm not insulting anybody. But what I'm saying is you could get people to pay a lot of money to be an extra in a scene with Jack Sparrow or to be, you know, be playing one of the palm trees or something. Like they just put you in a palm tree suit and you just stand there, but you've shelled out umpteen tens of thousands to be on that set yeah yeah there's plenty of rich people who don't have the celebrity that they want to go with that so they would pay that money 
to just yeah. be on the camera. And they'd probably be spending the entire time looking directly into camera like, look at me. <laughs> hey, <I'm on> <laughs> exactly. Hey, call my agent. Similar experience to them just staring directly at this audience and not taking in the film at all, except this way you're getting paid a lot more for it. And on a vaguely similar vein, um, another idea I had was you could superimpose people in the audience into the film. So we've got deep fake technology uh, where you can replicate people's faces and people's voices. Um, so basically on the way into the film, into the cinema, um, they record your, your face, they record your voice, uh, and you can be James or Jamelia Bond. <laughs> Jamelia. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the female not, not James Jemima is. Not Jemima or Jenny or anything. What's the Jamelia. female James? It's Jamelia, surely. I've, is Jamelia a real name? Of course it is. Jamelia. You know Jamelia. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know what? Fine. And that's exactly <laughs> what a premium ticket would get you. It would be like a Kickstarter where there's like the top tier, where there's only like one or two available and they cost like way too much. Mm -hmm. And they just hope that some whale goes for it. Yeah. yeah, you go and see the latest Bond and then this showing, you're that whale. You fork over your 10k and you're James Bond now. He has your face. Yeah, whale meaning person with a lot of money to spend, not a large person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. You thought I was being like a anti-large people. I thought you were going to say like whale, like a literal, <laughs> literal mammal whale. strolls into a cinema. <laughs> like, yes, hello. <laughs> Today. Got my bucket of krill and I'm ready to be in this film. Whale Bond. He's just, <laughs> just a blue whale in a tux. Bond. Whale Bond. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, yeah. A whale is in someone who throws way too much money into uh, microtransactions and games. Um, or cinema, as the case may be. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And, okay, you'd have to filter out all the goons who show up wearing, like, a, you know, a paper mask of the Queen of England or whatever. And want uh, but that's, that's easy that enough. Face. You can just tell them to take that stuff off. You've got staff there capturing this, you know, their images. It's that's quite true. It's quite intrusive. It's a bit... And it's, it's also useful if you want to set up a police state. Because you've oh, yeah, got getting all these you've got, scans. Yeah, everyone giving you all of their uh, information. Voice samples. Yeah, retinas. It's all there. And you know, even better, you might want um, you want to combine deepfake technology with uh, whatever they have working on selfie cameras to sort of smooth out your skin and brighten your eyes and whatever else is going. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. the, like beautifying stuff. Because let's face it. Yeah, celebrities get hired to be, uh, you know, to be. <laughs> celebrities get hired to be Daniel Craig. Um, <laughs> celebrities get hired to, to be James Bond or Iron Man or Thor or whoever because they're good looking. So you don't want, uh, you know, Mr. Jenkins. He's been saving up his whole life, bless him. This is going to be his retirement present. But now everybody else is demanding their money back um, because you know they didn't. This, this is not the Bond they envisioned. So you mm -hmm. just need to tweak it a little bit well just, maybe the thing know. is that you you tell everyone that you're using deep fake technology and they go yeah this is you this is your your face on uh, on james bond here but you mm -hmm. just you just leave it as a normal film and they go yeah you look like that oh yeah yeah you might you might tweak it's like you might you might blend the faces together and they say so yeah like, you look like this or you hand them like a pair of like the even better version is where you've got everyone wearing a pair of uh, glasses or like i guess like a uh, an oculus rift or whatever uh, and they're just watching the latest Bond film with them as Bond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, uh, um, you know, those kids books where you put the kid's name into the book and it's, you know, and then it's a story about them and they're like, wow, that's amazing. Oh, is but, that a service that you can buy? Yeah, yeah, you can get like books where they just write the person's name in and yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say like those kids books that have the <laughs> the holes cut through and you can stick your fingers <laughs> through and then there'll be like the bunny's ears or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the level of technology I'm still at. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, wow, the ears really move. <laughs> I used to have a kids' book with a button in the corner um, that played a like kind of police siren noise, like longer than that. I, I just did a foghorn. I don't know. It was a more high pitch. Very, very annoying. Um, why would you give a child that? I, I it kind of have been my parents who got that for me. It must have been someone else maliciously buying the child a gift. Because the book would periodically tell you, push the button now to make the siren noise. And uh, yeah, I spent days doing that. So what we need to do is find a way where people can only... Put, put so siren noises in. <laughs> yeah, but optimally just experience the film themselves so that all these annoying extras they're paying for aren't ruining everyone else's experience. Yes, that would be ideal. And it, it right. would also lead to some weird scenarios like a 
you know, a tiny five-year-old kid who's gone to see some sort of Marvel film is Hulk or something. Oh, yeah, just a huge but, like, chubby cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> Shredded. You're like, oh, he's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, they've built, like, emotional reactivity uh, software in there, so it doesn't just deep fake the face onto like whatever emotion the character should be portraying. It mirrors what you're doing in real life, so the kid doesn't <laughs> like it. He's like, "No, I'm weird and green." Uh, uh, and now the Hulk is just weeping. He's just blubbering. All yeah. he's pummeling stuff. Uh, yeah. and, there, and there's all okay. the sort of horrifying, you know, um, cross gender <laughs> accidental deep fakes. Like really beardy man is Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> she's just you know oh, i haven't seen any of these but it must get quite interesting or just I... any any film which is a bit raunchy and it's like oh no <laughs> oh you could very easily make everything not your fetish but you could also make things your fetish i mean think about it think yeah. about all the like heteronormative whitewashed tripe that hollywood has been trotting out forever we can finally make things inclusive we can we can scan you figure out your demo your ethnicity your sexual orientation your whatever and we're going to make the film all about you buddy and every everyone in it is going to be like i sound sound very condescending this is legitimately a thing i want now (laughs) that'd be really cool for everything not to be western centric um maybe that's something that maybe we could legitimately do that on that sort of vein though i was thinking like what about a theme screening around let's say valentine's day so it's one where they pair you with someone for a date and it's a special film that you watch and it's like a rom-com and it could either be that sort of like that you're both in the rom-com as you know the deep fake people or that Mm. it's just like i don't know it's some sort of uh, special film which is supposed to make people bond, and the the other part of this, which okay. I which was a bit more silly, was that maybe everyone's naked in the screening, but <laughs> I'm not, not <laughs> sure about that part. You're combining those. Uh, what is it? Is it naked speed dating or something? Isn't there a style of speed dating where everyone strips off beforehand just so there's no surprises? Uh, ooh, maybe on nudist beaches. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. This is a real thing. Have you not heard of this? No surprises. Oh. I'm not sure that's how they put it. I don't want to do their marketing for them because I, I really know very little about this, but I'm pretty sure what they do is it's like, okay, guys, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Jeff or whatever. I'm, I'm running your uh, evening tonight. Thank you all so much for coming. Um, it's going to be really exciting. Meet all these lovely people. Um, if I could get all the gents to line up over here, all the ladies there. And uh, Whoops, okay, so- where are my trousers? <laughs> It's just Jeff. <laughs> just oh well, can't find my clothes. Anyway, you guys have fun. I'm just going to be in the corner, just oh, oh, relaxing. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. They get them to strip off, but I think I think they strip as much or as little as they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So like nudity is totally allowed. Um, I think it's like everyone's in a gown, and then it's like you can open the gown as much as you want, or like you can wear underwear underneath it. But the idea is, it's it's like a. It's, it's kind of like a, a nude model posing for art or whatever. They manage to kind of like desexualize that few minutes. And the idea is just, okay, now you guys can keep your head in the game. <laughs> You're not going to be wondering the whole evening. That isn't going to be your only, you know, like you can actually get to know each other as people now over the course of two minutes and go. But yeah, just have that in a cinema. Yeah, why not? I don't see any problem with that. Except uh, rom-coms tend to, <laughs> they tend to go over like, Normally there's several obstacles, right? And then eventually it turns out it's, you know, it was love at first sight and it conquers all and all the rest of it. Do you feel like seeing two people who are meeting for the first time, seeing themselves in those situations would, uh, do you think it would be weird? Like, would they just chuckle about it afterwards and go get a drink and talk about how crazy the film was? Or would it, would it change them? Would they feel like too bonded? Yeah, they I think feel some people would be like, betrayal? I can't get past the fact that you cheated on me in this film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I saw you do it. I'm sorry, I just, I can't. If you're going to be like that. <laughs> I just don't know what kind of a man you are. It's like, well, you've only known me. <laughs> what, three hours? You don't. <laughs> I mean, better yet, we need really smart technology. Oh, okay, this goes deep. So, you know Left for Dead? Yes. This is the only game I know of that has what they term an AI director. There may have been many since then. The, the deal for anyone who doesn't know is basically you're a team of four zombie survivors uh, and you've got to make it from one end to another of a level and the infected are out to get you. And uh, the AI director basically is just software built into the game um, that will measure how well you're doing in terms of like how many deaths you've had, how your health is, how much ammo, and, it's, and so on. And there are various points in the game where it can choose whether or not to leave you a load of ammo and health 
So normally when you play a level in a video game for the second time, you're like, okay, yeah, we want to go down this tunnel because uh, here's where you find all the bonus loot or like, oh yeah, there's a health kit over there, so it doesn't matter if I'm hurt now, etc. So to add some suspense, they take away all of that um, because the director decides each time and it decides when you get pounced on by a horde of zombies right. and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. right? We need this, but way better. We need Match.com or whoever you go in and you give it, I mean, I, probably what you'd do is you just give it like the, the password to your social media accounts and it would just scan all the info from there. <laughs> um, so it knows like all the significant events in your life. It knows who your buddies are. It knows what kind of photo, like it can, it can map this into its insane neural network and just figure you out as a person, right? Like here's all your childhood traumas. Here's all the salient events in your life. Here's your current group of friends. Here's your personality traits, favorite catchphrase, media you consume the whole shebang and then it will do that for the person it matches you with as well it will try and match you not just compatible people people who will have initially hilarious mishaps <laughs> and will eventually settle down together that's how good it's going to be because eventually it's going to be too easy push a button get your soulmate there's no more surprises people aren't going to want that the upgrade on the service is you get matched with someone and the film will be accurate like you will go and it won't just look like you in the movie that will be you in your house with your habits and your job and all the rest of it and it will just show you how it could be yeah it will just fast forward you through the first several months of your interactions with all you know they're like oh crazy hijinks because dave from the office asked her out first and oh you've got to get the courage up to you know take her to the dance or whatever and then it all works out in the end and you can just you know watch that movie and then just be like, sure, let's go. Because I, I was thinking sort of the opposite, like that you just find these people, you match them up, and then you just film them and watch the hilarious sort of, you know, rom-com antics ensue. Are you talking about reality TV? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you seriously just pitch like I, a bachelor? I, imagine we film real people and their relationships in a confined setting, and then we broadcast it. <laughs> Imagine a device that can project (laughs) images upon a screen, but get this, they move and sound is emitted. And initially black and white, but then colour, full technicolour. What marvels. (laughs) And then 3D imagery, imagine that, and it'll be a bit (laughs) shit. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be ensnared by the two-dimensional phantoms we have constructed. (laughs) Yeah, why not? I like the idea of the inventor of film as a mad scientist. Like, (laughs) with this invention, I will conquer the world. And then he's just sat in a cinema with a bucket of popcorn, just going, why did this happen to me? No, he's just loving it. He's just carried away. He's just entranced. (laughs) I didn't think they'd do this with it. That man kicked that other man in the crotch. (laughs) (laughs) No, Buster Keaton, don't. That's going to fall on you. Oh, he's okay. Well, that, that sounds uh, both terrifying and uh, quite cool. And that is ba- that should basically be the new catchphrase of cinema, I think. Because because on um, a related topic, I was thinking in terms of surveillance, you, you know, there's CCTV everywhere. Why don't we just have CCTV mm. screenings? So you, you put in a request to your local cinema, you go in at, I don't know, 4am when no one's watching a film, Ooh. and you, you find the CCTV in your neighbourhood, and you find out exactly which one of your neighbours has been letting his dog poo in your flower bed. And you watch him, and you can rewind it. You can play it. You can just really focus in on him, and uh, and then you can you can invite your whole your whole neighbourhood. You can get them all in. You can watch them like look the whole residence association. Look, it's Margaret. Margaret's little poodle has been going in your azaleas, and we're not happy about it. I like that. Bring back the community feel. Get mm. to know your neighbours in a in a darkened room where you're facing the same way. Yeah, and group shaming as well. You know. You want oh, to yeah. get everyone hating on one person. Yeah, like, like public executions. Yeah. Um, as entertaining, less violent. Mm-hmm. A modern twist. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, because you don't want to just give people access to CCTV footage. You want it to be in a controlled setting, and cinemas are in a position to offer that. Yeah. I mean, it would be a terrible idea, because obviously CCTV is always terrible. Uh, so if you blew that up onto a massive screen, it would just be <laughs> a load of pixels. <laughs> it's but... clearly Margaret. <laughs> it's a blob. <laughs> I knew it. It's, we're going to be like those crazy people from uh, from The Incredibles trying to convince people that Dash is putting the thumbtack on the chair. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I also like the idea of, um, I mean, basically, we have YouTube, right? Like, anything you want to see is probably out there. But for somehow, 
the reason cinema still persists at all, I think, is that we want to make we want to make it special. We crave the specialness of the experience. I think cinema isn't doing a good enough job of capitalizing on it because the snacks, I don't think, are getting that much better, mm-hmm. and they are getting a lot more expensive. And it's just not. I don't know. It's once upon a time it was magical. Now I just prefer being at home, and I don't think I'm alone in that. So, yeah, I think really maybe you could find a way to turn all of this generically available media into something more special. Maybe you could have best of YouTube screening nights. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could have uh, like audience polls, like a queuing system. Like, what do you want to cast up on the big screen? Like, you know, send it in and then we'll have a little bit on the side with the thumbnails and people can vote on what they want to see next. And you can like build a rapport with the audience then because you'll all be a bit like a karaoke night where people vote on what song comes up next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would work really well for things like short films, where yeah, where it's a bit more like a karaoke night, or or if people yeah yeah karaoke screenings, you get people up on the stage in front of the film and they they get given the words and they read the part. Oh, I like that. I thought you were going to talk about like just playing music videos and singing along. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Which would also work. But yeah, like so you're the part in the film, you know, like a live reading of a script. Yeah, you're Simon Pegg in the Hot the... Fuzz, and you're just. But this, the film is playing behind you. Yeah, so you've got actual Simon Pegg doing Simon Pegg well, and then you've got some Burke <laughs> reading out his lines. But there's no audio, so you're you're only <sighs> hearing the the Burke audio. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, that's true. I like that. It'll be like a like isn't it? A, uh, it's like a game round they play on um, like Have I Got News for You or Mock the Week or one of these comedy shows where they make fun of current events, right? Where they get a uh, they get footage of like the prime minister talking to the queen or whatever, but no audio. And oh yeah, yeah. Voices, yeah, yeah. I'd be like that, but for well-known movies. Yeah, I think that would work. Also, not enough animals in uh, in cinemas. We we should have um... snakes in the cinema. <laughs> yeah, snakes, right? on, snakes on a plane, snakes in the cinema. No, I was thinking uh, like pet owner screenings. So like some cinemas have child pet, parent-child screenings where you take your babies oh, in. Why don't you just have you know, ones for dogs where you take your dog in and you watch Turner and Hooch or Beethoven or Babe yes. if you've got a pig. <laughs> I, you know. That would be adorable. Think of all the little teacup pigs and stuff. Yeah, they're oh all sat, they're sat on the seat next to you. They've got a bucket of popcorn or pop, pop chow. I don't know. <laughs> They've just got a big vat of slurry <laughs> next to the popcorn. Every so often, like, some drips get in the popcorn from when they're shoveling it out. Yeah. Yeah, pigs don't mind. I think that's a great idea. I also, I'm, I'm kind of hooked on this idea of audience polling at this point. I like maybe not to be combined with the dogs, but um, <laughs> what do you, you want have... to see? <laughs> Ruffles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whoever says number three, push the button. Um, no, but like maybe you could, if you have really sophisticated AI, uh, maybe you could have audience votes on like what twist the plot takes. You mm. know, like a choose your own adventure, but uh, audio visual. Yeah, or yeah, you vote if it's like a. Um like a criminal trial kind of film you can judge oh, yeah. what you want to happen to the person like guilty or not guilty or what their punishment should be like should it be mm-hmm. the death penalty or should it be you know um that they yeah they get away scot-free i don't know man you could you could really delve deep because you'd have like the thinky films like the 12 angry men or the i have not seen that whatever courtroom drama type films where you'd be like my god is this guy you know does he deserve the death penalty and then you'd have others where it's like okay fight sequence starting and it goes into slow-mo and like batman is like getting into a ready stance and then and then the options appear and it's like a quick time event they're ticking down (laughs) but it's like okay press a for right hook press b for uppercut press c to kick him in the you know the solar plexus and then you just choreograph the whole fight sequence based on what people want to see uh batman do to him man that would be rubbish (laughs) uh, possibly entertaining the first time (laughs) Because you'd get one punch in and then you'd like stop and ask them again. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can save cinema through death by PowerPoint. Sorry? Death by PowerPoint? Yeah. That's a term to refer to the fact that in the corporate world, everybody just makes PowerPoint presentations of everything, even when it's unnecessary and it's just very boring. Yeah, maybe we have PowerPoint presentations um, in cinemas. I think that would be good. (laughs) That's a great idea. You can rent out, like once the, you know, once Hollywood goes under, people will be able to rent out uh just cinema auditoria 
for their, you know, whatever meetings. Look at the charts for Q3 on this giant screen. You're going to be feeling really good about that, you know, upward trending line. It's huge. But they've still got trailers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they do. They still have and all the expensive popcorn. Yeah, yeah. They still have all the paraphernalia around uh, <laughs> cinemas. Wage employee checking your tickets. Yeah, it's all the same. There's all these tattered old film posters up. In a brand of cinema that we go to, um, they have people who come in before the film starts and they stand on the little stage bit and they say, hey, thanks for coming along. Uh, if you've got any questions, let me know. If it's too hot in here, it's too cold. Oh, wow. um, yeah, hope you, hope you enjoy the film, guys. Who's who's here to enjoy the film? Um, just have that for presentations. So, oh, God, <laughs> who's here to enjoy the, the accounts this, this week? <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous. Why would they do that? Like, I understand when it's like a, a special showing or a preview or something. And Yeah, it's kind of mid-range. They're not like, they're not tiny, but they're not, they're not, like an Odeon, for example. I find that strange. It's really... I find that strange. Yeah, it's often quite cringeworthy, and I mostly look down at my shoes and wait for it to end. Especially, oh, yeah, mo- Some of them are, are like, hey, you've got any... You know, one, if it's too hot, if it's too quiet, let me know. And then they go, bye. And then it's like, cool, thank you. Some mm-hmm. of them are like, who's excited to see the film? And then like a few people go, woo, yeah, that's, yeah, woo, the film. And like, yeah, that's a really good film. I hope you enjoy it. It's a great one. Anyway, I better stop talking. Like, yes, you bloody should. <laughs> yeah, get out of here and push the button. There's no excuse for that because there's no performers to applaud. There's nobody in a dressing room, like, hyping themselves up yeah. right now who needs to come out to a warm-up <laughs> audience. There's no reason for this. Good grief. Bless them. They're trying, but it's not good enough. I'm telling you, get people good and sleep deprived, give them a shot of adrenaline, make them go through one of those, like a, like a queue line in an amusement park for one of the scary roller coasters, and then sit them down in a, in a vibrating seat. That's how you save cinema. That was the Hypotheticals podcast. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at Hypotheticals. That's Hypotheticals without the R. Follow me individually at Rain Tortoise. That's Rain like the weather phenomenon. And Tortoise like the animal. And you can follow me at Mr. Howell. That's M-R-H-O-W-L. If you've enjoyed this, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Because it really helps. And we'll see you next time. Bye!